When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. It's somewhere. Go ahead. So welcome. Um, my name is Kirsten. Some people call me Kay. And Amanda and I are here to talk to you about our 300-hour training. But first, we'd like to thank the Restorative Pulse podcast, which is part of Integrate Network, and especially thank Julie for having us here um, today to talk to everyone about what it is we're doing and why trauma-informed practices and this training is so important um, during this time. And we might kind of talk about a few other things, but that's our sort of goal <laughs> at the moment. So, so I'll let Amanda say hello, um, and I'm so happy to be here with everyone. Yeah, thank you. And huge, huge thank you to the Integrate Network and Julie. It's such a pleasure to walk alongside like-hearted and like-minded people in this work. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm Amanda calling in from New Zealand, originally from Canada. So you can hear a little bit of an accent there, but I'm really, really looking forward to having this conversation because I do think trauma-informed practices are becoming so just imperative really in today's climate and today's world. It's so important that we're discussing these things and bringing them forward in different ways. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Let's just dive in. Let's get into it. So Kirsten, if you were to summarize or speak to why you personally find trauma-informed practices so important, what would you offer? Oh my goodness. Um, that's such a good question. And this is why I love doing this work with you, Amanda, because you always come up with really good questions <laughs> and comments. Um, one of the things that I'm definitely noticing right now is that there's a lot of stress. The world is in a space of stress and anxiety, and we're also in a, in a pattern of freeze, whether we're aware of it or not, and whether it's actually internal or external, whether it's us in the free state or the world and our external environment in the free state, um, it's really difficult to have a sense of agency. And I'm speaking for myself right now. Um, especially because of everything that every single person has been through in the last year and a half. And so to think about the timing of this and to think about, yes, trauma is part of the human condition and it always will be. And it's not something that we will ever eliminate, but 
our ability to adapt and our ability to restore ourselves through these events that actually impact our lives is pretty amazing and phenomenal. However, we sometimes need some assistance. We need some community around finding our own journey and path in that restorative process. And I'm a huge advocate for movement and restoration. So I think that while we consider what's happening now, currently, while we consider what's happened in the past, while we consider individual traumas, and while we consider community trauma and global trauma, this is imperative. This work is needed now, and it's needed on every single level, whether it be something that is chronic, so some kind of trauma that might be developmental that's been going on for a long time, or complex trauma, or something that is acute, something that happens momentarily, and it shifts the way that we see the world, or the way that we see ourselves. And so if we can come back into a space that holds um, compassion for ourselves and for each other, this is why these practices are so important. And yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> So perfect. It's absolutely perfect because there's so much in that. And I think you highlighted such a poignant part of it when you spoke to A, this comes from the inside out. We all have that innate resilience, that innate thrive to grow forward and to come out of these spaces and to move through this. And we have this need of community, of connection, of having people walk alongside us and support. And it's the balancing of both of those that is so, so important within all of this because we need both. If hurt and trauma and stress can happen in relationship, so can healing. And I think that's where it's so important to have these conversations of, yes, building that space of agency and independent will and inner resources within that sense and what does your network around you look like who is it that is being pulled in what new tools and modalities can you use to actually make it more salient and more workable really in so many different ways so I really love that you brought both of those forward and I think we're really starting to see a big emphasis or maybe even shift towards more body-based practices, movement-based therapies and modalities. And oh my goodness, it is about time. It is so needed. I'm so glad that it's finally being in discussion. I know that here in New Zealand, we are still a bit behind the curve. <laughs> we are still a little bit missing the mark on the emphasis on body-based approaches. It's still really highlighted that talk therapy and those types of top-down processing is the best way to go. And it's kind of more of this hierarchy of healing. And this is kind of where I'm pushing back. And this is a space where I'm like, actually, we have to start talking about the entire conversation, the body, the mind, and anything else that comes in, be it support, be it energy, be it spiritual, religious, like whatever else is in your sphere, within your scope, we have to be talking about all of these different things. And I think that's a beautiful part of what we've brought together with this 300 hour. And I'm curious to know why you think the modalities that we've brought in, the types of practices that we'll speak to 
the theory that we're going to be talking about, why do you think this is so well packaged or well put together? Why do you think this training is so special? Because I could talk about that for days, but I would love to hear what you think. Yeah, it, it is special. I mean, it's, we talked about this before, I think on another podcast and it really does feel like the, the creation of a, of a, you know, child, something that's, that's really, really close and, and near and dear to our, our hearts and our minds and our spirits, um, you know, both you and I, and I think that there's so many things that make this training special. And so I'll just, just, and for those people who don't know, I'll go over the basics really quickly in case this is the first time you're hearing about this training because all of a sudden we, yeah. And I'm like, oh, maybe people haven't heard about it. Um, So Amanda and I have created a 300 hour uh, trauma-informed movement facilitator training, which is coming up in October of 2021. It is broken down into three modules. And the first module is accessible yoga. The second module is embodied practices. And the third module is our trauma-informed practices specifically. So beyond foundations of trauma-informed work. And um, so to speak to that and why this is special and why it's different, there's so many trainings out there and there are so many wonderful trainings out there. You and I, between the two of us have like thousands of hours of, of going through some of these amazing trainings. But one of the things that I love about this training that we have created and that we are bringing forward is that it's accessible to everyone. It doesn't only specify whether it's for people who are yoga practitioners or for dance therapists or for um, psychotherapists or talk therapists or a therapist at all. Um, We really are trying to incorporate anybody who wants to bring in trauma-informed practices into their own daily life and their own journey, but also into um, however they work with others, however it is that they work with humanity, trying to figure out how we can bring all of this together. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it's not only accessible because we have a ton of people coming from a ton of walks of life, but also because it is really important to understand that we're not prescribing to one type of tool or one type of method or one type of prescription at all. It's not about a prescriptive um, method. It's really about how can we be vessels of creative solutions as a facilitator to figure out how we can walk alongside somebody through their journey and offer them as many tools as we can so that they can pick the ones that work for them. And we're also learning from our the people that we're working with, right? we're integrating what they already know, what's already working for them because they're alive, they're breathing, they're, you know, we're all striving and and thriving and trying to do what we can in order to live our our lives. And so to discredit that is I think um, really an injustice. So to, to really understand how can you bring in what somebody is already doing that is working for them and serving them on top of how can you together find a method that is going to work in the present moment, but also know without expectation that it might not work tomorrow? Where do you yeah. go from there? What do you pull from at that moment? And so I think that's why this is really special training because while you and I have done some amazing trainings that have been very, very specific in the methods and tools they've offered us, it doesn't work for everyone, right? I work with very special populations and refugees, people who are displaced. And there are some challenges when it comes to, um, for example, invitational language 
it still yeah. is incorporated, but it's about how you use it and the nuances of doing it so that you don't overwhelm someone. Um, you know, these types of conversations are the types of conversations we're going to be having in this training. And I'm really excited about it. Um, mm-hmm. Bringing in my personal experience, your personal experience, the personal experience of all of the amazing guest facilitators that we have coming in mm-hmm. and really sitting down and saying, okay, there are tools and methods that are still being cultivated, right? Still being um, explored. And how do we continue that conversation beyond this 300 hours and mm-hmm. also include it in the 300 hours? So, and you said it yourself, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Girl, it's a lifestyle. Like you said it. Yeah. 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 Cause it's never ending. Like, and that's where just listening to you talk, I'm like, mm, yay, there's so much in it. And I think that's where. I get so fired up and excited about it because the science is always changing. The research is always changing, but every single person that you work with in front of you is going to be so wildly different. So you learn something new in every single interaction. And what we're looking to do here is instill this bit of it's almost like creative, critical thinking. Like how do you be in the moment with someone and be so present and understand what you're looking for and what you're listening for and what you're feeling for in your body to navigate that specific experience rather than thinking it's a blanket answer. It's a one size fits all. That is out the window, especially when you get into this work. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, never saw this coming. Now what? what do we do here? And that's the exciting and beautiful part, because I think it really brings back the humanity. It really asks you to be fully present moment to moment with yourself and with others. And I think that's what I just love so much about this type of work, because when I look at the notion of being trauma-informed, I see it becoming a bit of a buzzword right now, like fortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, we're talking more about trauma and we're bringing this conversation forward, which is so powerful and so needed. Unfortunately, there's a lot of spaces that we're actually doing a bit more harm than good because either people aren't doing appropriate training or are thinking that, oh, I've done a 20 hour, I'm done, here I am, fully trauma informed, missing the mark of, this actually truly is a lifestyle. It is something that has to be embodied. It has to be in every single interaction. Like I don't just show up and work with a group or in a certain setting, put my trauma-informed hat on and then take it off when I go home or speak with family or friends. It weaves its way into, for me personally, it weaves its way into every single interaction that I have every moment of every day, there's that little voice being like, hmm, what could we learn about this? And how do we best show up for this person in front of us? And it's, it's hard work, but so, so fulfilling and so, so valuable as well. Like it's completely changed. I would say every aspect of my life, it's changed how I show up for my family, my friends, my partner, my colleagues, people that I interact with on the street, like strangers to people known to populations that I work with. It's weaved its way into everything. And that has been such a beautiful unfolding and a beautiful unpacking. 
And I think that's where I get so excited to run this training because I'm like, holy moly, how much more are we going to learn? Like, I'm so excited for that. So if you were to offer, I think it'd be really cool to offer maybe one of our favorite little practices or our favorite little tidbits that somebody could even practice today, something that somebody could take forward, like maybe in a moment of stress or a moment of overwhelm or anything like that, how, what's one tool that they could do for themselves to possibly change their current experience? What's one little, not to like put the pressure on, but I thought that would be a nice little way to round this out is what are we going to be talking about? And I'll offer yeah. one of my favorites as well. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Cause I was like, which one's your favorite? Yeah, no, I love that, Amanda. Cause I was just thinking about that as you were talking too, is that, you know, yes, we are going to be talking about these bigger picture. How do you bring this forward into, you know, a curriculum or how do you bring this forward into a long based class, right? How do you bring this forward with a client? How do you bring this forward into a corporate setting where you might be um, having these discussions, you know, that are coming forward to change a system, um, to change anything that seems um, and probably is unjust. If it seems unjust, it probably is. So all of these things, right? But we're also really talking about exactly what, what we're gonna do here in this moment is smaller tools that you can literally do for yourself if you need to, or pull if you're finding that this is a moment that you might need to take with somebody to regulate, to have agency, to find empowerment, to you know um, nurture that resilience. And these little tools are, I mean, literally little, just amazing moments of magic, I think. Yeah. Um, so I love that. And I love that you, that you asked this question because I was, I was just thinking about that. Cause I'm like, yes, bigger picture, but all these wonderful little things that you can put together or let them stand on their own 30 seconds. Right. Exactly. Um, so with that said, uh, the one that I'm going to bring forward is I am doing this for my own sanity and safety right now, because <laughs> I have been traveling. I'm in South Africa at the moment. Um, I just got here. And um, I'm already noticing that I am starting to disassociate. I don't know my environment very well yet. I just got into this space in this room. And I'm also noticing I've already spent a lot of screen time watching movies on the plane, right? Looking at my phone and now here I am. Um, and so this hopefully method or this little tool will help with both of those. So the first thing is to, I'm gonna place my feet on the ground cause they're not on the ground. You can do the same if you like, or maybe if you like having your feet tucked under, but finding a way to ground in, maybe you're grounding through your sit bones as well. And I'm going to look around my space. So visually I'm gonna look away from my screen and I'm actually going to move my head and look around my environment and going to do this a little bit. I can notice in myself already, I'm sort of doing it in a frantic way. So I'm going to slow myself mm -hmm. down just because it's new to me. And I'm like, Oh, what's over there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what this also does, and this is something that comes from somatic experiencing and something that we will be talking about in this training. Um, even though it is not a somatic experiencing training, that's a very specific professional training. That is an amazing training that I would recommend we will be talking about some methods that are used in somatic experiencing is that we're actually activating our vagus nerve. And some people might know about the vagus nerve. This nerve is becoming very, very famous um, through Stephen Porges's work. And by looking around, 
we're activating our ventral vagal system, which is our rest and digest, which actually reminds us that we are safe, relatively safe, right? Keeps us in this space of calm alertness. So if I see something that doesn't feel or seems a little off, I'm going to notice it, but we're staying in this space of calm but alert. As we move our head around, we're physically actually shifting and twisting our vagus nerve because it comes out of the lower part of our brain and our brain stem, and then runs all the way down through our internal organs and into our gut. But it's also changing my breathing a little bit, which is definitely going to involve my ventral vagal system. And it's opening my eyes. So not only am I twisting around and reminding myself that there isn't anything behind me, when we tend to stare at a screen for a long period of time, we get tunnel vision. And this can feel like we're running away from something, or it can feel like we might be getting ready to hone in and fight. So I'm also deterring that fight or flight by moving my head. And you might look up as well. I tend to not look up very much. So maybe looking up or down in your own space. And as you look down, you might look at your own body in the space. And this can be grounding or reminding you that you're here, you're present. And as you look around your space, you might also start to notice colors or shapes. You might notice the quality of the light, which is not whether it's good or bad, but what are the details of it? Noticing that my room is very beige. And then whenever you're ready, coming back to look forward and look at your screen and maybe do a little wiggle in your spine or little micro movements, whatever you need to do in order to settle back in. Really simple practice. Yeah, really simple practice to look around your space, even if it's familiar, right? Even mm -hmm. if it's a familiar space, looking around. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I love that one. And I really love, I've started to actually incorporate that before Zoom meetings with people. And we'll do a bit of grounding, a bit of orienting. And you can just kind of see people like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. And I now can be present. I can now be in this and not feel Zoom fatigue completely. So yeah, thank you. I love that practice. Oh, and the one that I'll bring forward is something that I'm also using probably every minute it feels like these days. And I use it so, so often. I found out about this little breathing technique from Andrew Huberman from the Huberman Lab. So he's a neuroscientist who is just incredible with the work that he brings forward. He's really passionate about making knowledge simplistic and practical. Like, what can I do right now? to feel optimal, to feel better in my body, better in my mind, whatever that is. So he's wonderful. I'll preface this by saying breath and breathing is something that some moments work a treat, other moments it can actually activate and induce a sense of anxiety or, or nervousness. Our inhales are directly tied to our sympathetic nervous system while our exhales are tied to our parasympathetic. So the breath can actually do both. It can feel activating 
and it can sometimes help to calm and settle within the nervous system and balance and restore. So with that said, again, it's not prescriptive saying this breath will always work. It's very much a maybe let's try it and see what happens. And then we navigate from there. So this is called the physiological sigh. What this does is it instantaneously shifts the chemistry within your heart, changes and activates through the phrenic nerve as well as the vagus nerve and drops us into parasympathetic. When I first started hearing him talk about it, I was like, there's no way one breath can do that, sir. I've been doing pranayama for so long. What are you talking about? Y'all, as soon as I tried it, I was like, oh, there is something to this. Thank you very much. So what it looks like is two quick inhales and an exhale. So it's... And they can be big and exaggerated, but they can all be small, also be small and subtle. So if I'm feeling really worked up about an upcoming meeting or an uncomfortable conversation that I'm about to have, I maybe not want that person to see me do that breath, but I'll subtly do it within my own practice. So it can be, or it can be really exaggerated, like, so we can use those to instantaneously shift the autonomic nervous system and hopefully drop into that parasympathetic state. What I also really like about this one is you have to think about it consciously and think, okay, I'm going to take those two inhales. So you're disrupting the thought loop as well. So if you've got caught up in cyclical thoughts and you take that moment to think, actually, this isn't useful for me. I'm going to do that physiological sigh you're breaking that loop. So that can be a, a moment of respite, a moment of pause to say, nope, I'm coming back here to presence. And why I, I feel this to be true in my body, this breath, think about the last time you had like a really solid cry and you just had that almost like cathartic moment of sobbing, crying, whatever. When that experience has moved through your body, when it's complete, What's the first thing we do? And we have that like sh almost shaky breath. It seems like, but it's actually that physiological sigh. It's our body's way of recognizing we're safe now. That experience is complete. We've done it. So you might've noticed that in yourself or see maybe a toddler do it after a big cry, a big moment. They go, and they do that shaky inhale, but what it's really doing is changing how the alveoli and everything within the lungs, how that shifts and changes. And it's just so beautiful. So give it a go. If it works, great. If not, leave it behind. But it's something that I do probably moment to moment now. The physiological sigh. I love that. I am. Yeah. I just like just experiencing it now as I was doing it while I was on mute, but yeah. Um, I can already feel a difference. Yeah. And it's so interesting because it reminds me of some of the, yes, some of the pranayama I've done in yoga, but there, you know, there's this beautiful coupling between these, these amazing, this is, this is why I love this work, especially right now. Um, cause we're actually seeing this beautiful coupling between these ancient practices that have been working right for, for years and years yeah. for eons in so many cultures, not just yoga. Right. But in so many different cultures, um, a lot of these movement, movement-based practices, but we're seeing the coupling of science with it, with 
what we can now actually physically see within scanning. And there, it's a really exciting time, I think, to be in this field because yes, while a lot of people have already known that these have worked for so long, right? We don't, they, there's no need for science behind it because it is true. Um, and, and the body is the, um, is the evidence, right? Um, but to actually be able to start to understand how this is shifting and changing the physical and the emotional and the mindful body is, is really incredible. So yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's so good. And I think that's a really kind of beautiful way to tie this with a bow and bring it all together because what this work, another part of it is of what we're trying to do is how can we give you as much language, as many tools, as many things as possible so you can speak, like almost speak a different language to the different people that you're met with. Some people will be coming to you with a very body-based knowledge. So you can speak to that. You can speak to anatomy and physiology. Some will be coming and want that more energetic or maybe even spiritual way of relating to it and experiencing it. So how are you going to speak to them? And it's not to morph and chameleon. It's to be honest with the person in front of you and meet them where they're at while simultaneously meeting yourself where you're at. And when we can have these different languages, these different ways of bringing things forward, we can ripple out further and we can speak it to more people and help them understand from their own lived experience. They can feel that for themselves rather than us saying like, this will work for you. It's a, how can we find a way that this might work for you? And you find that from the inside out. I love this. And I love these conversations. Is there any last little tidbits or any last little questions that you want to get into before we wrap our time up here? I think this feels good. I think that um, one of the things that I will say is um, the training starts on October 25th. Um, we have, you know, tiered um, payment plans. So you can talk to Amanda or, or myself if you have questions about that. Um, it will be online and it will be interactive and it will also be self-paced part of it. So you can have this beautiful, um, you know, uh, sort of back and forth of you can do some on your own and then you'll have some requirements with us every week. Each module is eight weeks long. So you'll have a little bit of a break, two weeks in between each module to get, get settled, get situated and <laughs> yeah, center back in and then come back. Um, and I, and I love that what you just said, because it really is about exposure right? Exposure to the possibility of exposure to the possibility of what might work and what might not be working at the, in the moment. Um, and this is one of the reasons we're bringing in so many guest facilitators is because we are so excited firstly, because we love these people, but secondly, it's because we want to try and offer as many voices as possible. And every voice is so important and to really get and understand that there are so many ways to go about a trauma-informed um, practice and so many ways to have a trauma-informed lens. And it's really about finding your own voice within that scope. And 
we're so excited to present you with so many people that have found some voices of their own within this work. And um, you'll be having practices with them once a week at least. And also we have guest lectures coming in and I'm just excited to learn from them as well. Cause I always learn some, something from everybody that, um, that we have on the docket. So I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah. yeah. And so we do have limited space as well. So just to kind of be aware of that, we are keeping this training um, very small within this first round and, and we plan on keeping it small as we move forward with the training but we have between 20 and 25 slots depending on exactly the interest and things like that and we don't have that many left right now so just know that we already have registrants and there are already participants from all over the world that are going to be joining us and um, so if you definitely want to get a spot with us then let us know yes I'm so excited. Thank you so, so much for this. And again, thank you, Julie, for bringing this all together and working your magic as you do. It's so incredible to see these amazing communities and networks in such powerful, powerful ways. So yes, get in touch with either Kay or myself. We've got legacymotion.org, theselfagencyacademy.com. You can find our emails, reach out to us on any social media platform. We're very available. We are very, <laughs> like, however you want to chat, we're here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, so much gratitude, so much thanks. So honored to be here. And Amanda, I look forward to, um, yeah, continuing this journey with you and everybody else that is going to be a part of it. Yeah, likewise, absolutely. Mm. Thank you so much. <laughs>